Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast, where you can get the latest results, fantasy picks, and news every week in the NASCAR racing world. We just got one more spot left to fill, so let's give it to our host. Here he is, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. We just got done with Michigan International Speedway, the 23rd race of the 2022 season here for the Cup Series, and it provided a lot of excitement, but most importantly, we have another winner here in the regular season. Bring that number up to 15 now, meaning we could potentially see 16 or more winners by the end of the regular season. We'll talk more on who it was who was able to get the victory in that race, and we'll also talk about some other drivers who could potentially get a win in either Richmond, Watkins Glen, or Daytona. Right now, it is looking absolutely crazy, and I don't know who's going to make the playoffs or who isn't, but one thing's for sure, you're going to have to get a victory, and even then, you may not be locked in. Like a driver like Kurt Busch right now, who just missed his third straight race, is now in a situation that even though he did get that win for that number 45 team, he may not be locked in if we get two more winners here in the Cup Series that haven't gotten a win yet in the 2022 season. So crazy times right now, but thanks to Michigan International Speedway, it helps get us just a little bit closer to that 16 plus winner bracket which could spark some controversy for a lot of people regarding some drivers who haven't gotten a victory yet who are sitting really good in the points but since they don't got that victory they're not locked in so definitely a lot of controversy going into this week regarding the playoff system but as far as the racing went at Michigan it was a really good race we're going to cover on that one for the cup series we'll also cover on some fancy picks who did really impress us and then a few that let us down because trust me out of the fancy picks that I told people to go with. The ones I thought that were going to do extremely good did not, and the ones that I thought, eh, you can take a gamble on them, did very well. So things were kind of really backwards here in this race, so maybe I'll have to apologize. We shall see how badly I messed up on a few of these fancy picks. Hopefully not too many, but we shall see. But without further ado, we're going to do it the same way we always do. We're going to talk about the first races that happened within the weekend before we get into the main event. So let's first start off with the first race. This one happened on Saturday. It was with the Xfinity Series, so let's dive into the 21st race of the 2022 season for them. This is the final results for the New Holland 250. Alrighty, so in this race, we had a total of 41 cars enter into this race, meaning three cars had to miss the main show. Those three cars being the number 47 of Brandon Poole, the number 13 of Akinori Ogata, and then the number 32 of Jordan Anderson. Jordan Anderson decided to run two cars this week, and unfortunately, he couldn't get his car into the main show. We had a total of four cautions for 19 laps and 12 lead changes amongst five different drivers. In all honesty, we had five to six drivers who had a good chance of winning this race in the end though it's been the dominant kid that we've been seeing all this year in that number 54 machine for Joe Gibbs Racing, Ty Gibbs gets his fifth victory of the 2022 season. After leading 54 laps in this race, he is your winner of the 21st race of the Xfinity Series. Finishing second, we have the number seven of Justin Allgaier. In the third spot was the number nine of Noah Gregson. Finishing fourth, we have the number 19 of Brandon Jones. Finishing fifth was the number 21 of Austin Hill. In the sixth spot, we have the number eight of Josh Berry. Finishing seventh was the number 16 of AJ Allmendinger. 
Finishing 8th, we had the number 11 of Daniel Hamrick. Finishing 9th was the number 98 of Riley Herbst. And rounding up the top 10, we have the number 10 of Landon Castle. Some noticeable drivers we should mention that finished outside the top 10. First start off with the number 2 of Sheldon Creed was able to finish 11th in this race. Then moving down the roster, you got the number 26 of John Hunter Nemechek making a part-time series run here in the Xfinity Series. Not for points, just helping out this 26 team. Then moving down the roster all the way to 33rd, we have the number 1 of Sam Mayer ran to multiple problems in this race. He finished two laps down and finished 33rd overall. And then rounding up the field in the 38th position, out by lap number 39, we have the number 78 of Matt Mills out due to an accident. And that's your final results here for the New Holland 250 at Michigan. Now that we've looked at that, let's look at some of the biggest takeaways we can gather here from this race. First, starting off with the most competitive drivers in this race, Noah Gregson was definitely the strongest driver here this weekend in the first half. Then the second half, you had the number 54, Ty Gibbs, has turned up another level and was able to dominate this race. Just once again, JR Motorsports is showing just how powerful their cars can be. Justin Allgaier looked really good in this race. There was a good reason why he finished second. Josh Berry ran to some a lot of problems at the beginning of the race, hitting the wall making contact with Kyle Weatherman in the number 34. However, he was still able to manage to get a top six position. And then Sam Mayer, even though his finish does not look really good at the end, finishing 33rd, he still looked really strong throughout the race. Just had damage in some of the worst spots right there in the front fender, rubbing on the tire. You obviously can't go that far with that kind of rubbing going on. So he had to go down pit road and get that fixed. And unfortunately, it cost him a couple of laps. Was not able to recover, but still shows that Sam Mayer jumping into that number one car was a really smart idea on JR Motorsports and just overall their program is just on fire. They are definitely the team to beat but the one team keeping up with them has been Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean Ty Gibbs fifth win of the season just continually proving to everyone how great of a driver he is. If he stays down here in the Xfinity series he's going to try to do what Kyle Busch did back in 2009 just absolutely dominate every single race that they run at. It almost feels like he's been doing that anyways this year. So just add on another level for Ty Gibbs not being a rookie no longer here in the X-Fandy series. It's going to be absolutely crazy to see what that 54 team can do if Ty Gibbs stays in the series for one more year because look at this year. It's just been incredible. And then Brandon Jones was not that too far behind. Yes, he did not lead any laps in this race, but he was running around in the top five for the most part of it. He did really, really good overall, and I'm very impressed to see that that 19 team is slowly but surely making steps in the right direction. I think a lot of people were worried that Brandon Jones was going to get either moved out of this car or just be forever stuck in the Xfinity series, but he once again is starting to show everyone. He's like, hey, there's a reason why Joe Gibbs Racing is keeping me around. I do have the talent down here in the Xfinity series and I can get some good finishes here with this number 19 machine and he stayed up there the entire time just wasn't quite the strongest car overall in this race there was a couple cars that slightly edged him out there at the end giving him the fourth position and then Colic Racing sits as the third strongest team maybe even the fourth strongest team as you have Richard Childers Racing sometimes finishing in front of him Austin Hill once again just another strong finish and especially before he was going to do his debut in the Cup Series which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but Austin Hill has just uh, absolutely been shocking to me. He's been one of the most biggest shocks here in the x Fandy series in the 2022 season, just because for the simple fact he is a rookie. When I heard he moved on over to Richard Chills Racing, I was like, all right, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully he can do a little bit better than Myatt Snyder, who was doing fairly decent at the beginning of the season, but then unfortunately fell off there near the end. Austin Hill hasn't done that. 
This number 21 car has just been phenomenal no matter which track you go at. Uh, most noticeably, it's been the restrictor plates where he's been the strongest, but even at road courses, he's been good. And then here at these intermediate tracks, just look how well that 21 car is running. Another top five finish. I almost want to say that Richard Childers Racing is slightly ahead of Colic Racing right now. Sure, you got A.J. Allmendinger getting wins here and there. It just hasn't been at these ovals, which is a really important part because when you go into the playoffs, you only have like one road course on the schedule. So AJ Allmendinger and Colic Racing has to really step it up here if they want to compete against these three teams. Because right now they're showing that, yes, they can do good in the middle of the race. But when it's time to lay down the cards, they are right there third or fourth, third or fourth every single time as far as the team goes. Overall, this race came down to who was the best when it came to green flag pit stops. The 54 team, as well as Joe Gibbs Racing as a whole, is just phenomenal when it comes to pit stops, so they were able to get the edge there near the end. Justin Allgaier's team needs to step it up a little bit, because you saw that they struggled there on that green flag pit stop near the end, and that was inevitably what cost them the opportunity to get a victory here at Michigan. That's how Ty Gibbs and that number 54 team was able to get the edge. Overall, this race was a fairly decent one. It wasn't anything too flashy. You didn't see anything spectacular in the race. Yes, yeah, Stage 2 had a pretty decent finish. Uh probably one of the good reasons to stand for stage racing. I mean, they can provide some good finishes there midway through the race, which is something I can really appreciate. But overall, this was just showing which drivers and teams are the strongest right now, and I think it's very clear. You can see that it's going to be between Joe Gibbs Racing and JR Motorsports, with maybe potentially a Colic Racing car filling in that fourth spot in the playoffs for the Final Four, or Austin Hill in the number 21 for Richard Childress Racing. Right now, I would say Sheldon Creed, but as far as it looks right now, as we look at the playoff cutoff line. We got the number 10 of Landon Castle ahead by 66 points, as well as the number 39 of Ryan Sieg up by 52 points, while Sheldon Creed sits 52 points behind with Anthony Alfredo in the number 23, 75 points behind, and Brandon Brown, who unfortunately may not be in that number 68 card for the most part here near the end of the season, is behind now by 87 points. So right now, the way the cutoff line is looking, it looks like it's going to be a must-win situation unless something crazy happens to Landon Castle or Ryan seek but those drivers have been very consistent and even though Sheldon Creed was able to finish in front of Ryan Sieg since Ryan Sieg was able to get that fifth place finish in stage number two it actually gave him two points ahead of Sheldon Creed even though Sheldon Creed finished 11th and Ryan Sieg finished 15th just showing you how important it is to get stage points here near the end of the season now let's move on to the main event it's the one that everyone's been talking about a pretty exciting race for sure we had a lot of craziness to happen in this race so without further ado let's dive into it this is the final results for the Firekeepers Casino 400 Alrighty, so in this race, we had a total of 37 cars enter into this race, meaning we only had one open charter car, which was the number 33 of Austin Hill, making his debut here in the Cup Series. We had a total of seven cautions for 36 laps and 15 lead changes amongst 10 different drivers. A lot of drivers had a great opportunity to win this race. In the end, though, it was a driver who hasn't gotten a win yet in the 2022 season. In fact, they haven't gotten a win all the way back in 2020. A driver who did phenomenal that season and then ran on a 65 race drought 
out. Of course, I'm talking about the 2014 champion. The number four of Kevin Harvick for Stuart Haas Racing gets a huge win here at Michigan International Speedway after leading 38 laps. He's your winner here of the 23rd race of the 2022 season. Finishing second, we have the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. Great run for him. Finishing third was the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Finishing fourth, you have the number 22 of Joey Logano. In the fifth spot was the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Finishing sixth was the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. In the seventh spot was the number five of Kyle Larson. Finishing eighth, we have the number 43 of Eric Jones. Ninth, the number 48 of Alex Bowman. And right at the top 10, the substitute driver, the number 45 of Ty Gibbs, is able to finish 10th here in this race. Finishing 11th, we have the number 9 of Chase Elliott. Finishing 12th was the number 24 of William Byron. In the 13th spot was the number 3 of Austin Dillon. 14th was the number 42 of Ty Dillon. Good finish for him. Finishing 15th was the number 6 of Brad Keselowski. 16th, the number 17 of Chris Busher. Finishing 17th, we have the number 31 of Justin Haley. Finishing 18th was the rookie, the number 33 of Austin Hill. Finishing 19th, we have the number 7 of Corey LaJoy. Good finish for him. And riding up the top 20, we have the number 14 of Chase Briscoe. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20 that we should mention. Finishing 24th, we have the number 1 of Ross Chastain and the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. They finished 24th and 25th in this race. Unfortunately, ran to some issues there near the end, which we will cover. Finishing 26th right behind him was the number 20 of Christopher Bell. Again, also having some tire issues near the end of the race. Then you got the number 8 of Tyler Reddick. Uh, suffered engine problems on lap number 110. He finishes 29th overall in this race. And then down the roster, you got the number 18 of Kyle Busch and the number 2 of Austin Sindrick finishing 36th and 37th in this race due to an accident that happened on lap number 24. And that is your final results here for the Firekeepers Casino 400 at Michigan International Speedway. Alright, so let's look at the biggest takeaways here from this race. Let's first start off with the one that happened before the race, and that is with the track drying crew. If you guys were watching the pre-race, you saw that there was a lot of rain on the racetrack. The track was soaked, so we knew clearly that the race was not going to get started on time like they said they were going to, which was supposed to be scheduled at 3 o'clock Eastern time. So we had to wait only an hour though, which really, really surprised me because usually for a two-month on a racetrack like that, it takes hours upon hours. I thought to myself, man, we're going to probably have to wait until 6 o'clock, maybe even 5 o'clock before we get a race going, and by then we're going to have to worry about the sun setting down before the race is over. Luckily, that track drying crew was extremely fast again. that track dried out, so kudos to them. I really do appreciate that. The second takeaway that I want to talk about is the incident that happened early in the race on lap number 24. If you guys are not aware, there was a lot of pit strategies going on early in the race that involved some cars staying out and some cars going down pit road. One of those drivers who went down pit road was Kyle Busch. One driver that did not was the number 15 of J.J. Yaley. Now, this was about 15 laps before the end of the stage, so people were trying to get stage points, but this situation is a huge head-scratcher to me. Now, I understand, maybe tires were not falling off nearly as fast as what people thought, and I think a lot of people were thinking maybe that would be the case since it would have been a green track, but that wasn't the case. Goodyear has been really good with the tires lately. I mean, look at the Indianapolis road course. Ryan Blaney lasted so long on old tires and was able to stay up with everyone who had brand new tires. It's very impressive and something we haven't seen in quite a while. But J.J. Yaley in the number 15 car is not a front-running car. And for the fact that they were up there and they started like around 16th, so there was no way they were going to get stage points because they would have people who went down pit road right behind them. So they were going to clearly be able to pass them. And then what happens? J.J. Ellie's running too slow, runs up the racetrack, causes a big accident, takes out multiple cars, including the number 18 of Kyle Busch, a potential front runner 
in the race. I don't know what to think on this one here. I, I Like I said, I understand why a lot of cars stayed out here. And some of those back teams are probably trying to get stage points, maybe to stay above a certain cut line so they don't get in trouble with potentially losing their charter or trying to move their way up higher in the point standings. As we are well aware, if you make it into the top 25, that's a big bonus for finishing in the top 25 rather than 26th or 27th in owner points when the year is done. But still, this situation just made no sense to me. I mean, J.J. Yaley did not have a fast-running car in this race to try to race his way into the top 10 score stage points. And it cost a lot of teams. I mean, his car got wrecked. Kyle Busch got wrecked. Austin Sindrick had a huge accident. Thank goodness he was okay out of it. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Eric Amarola, received heavy damage. And then also the number 21 of Harrison Burton. It was absolutely crazy. And something that I think a lot of these teams that run near the back are going to have to really consider. When do I take the strategy to try to finish near the top and get some good stage points in a race? Because this wasn't a good idea. They should have saw clearly when it was one to go or maybe two to go after they got done with pit stops that, hey, this strategy did not work out. Go down pit road. Why even risk that chance to have your car get taken out? Because I remember a few years back when it was William Byron trying to advance on to the next round or Chase Elliott. It was either Chase Elliott or William Byron at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It was Chase Elliott because they were still running the uh, oval in the playoffs rather than the roval. So what happens is Austin Dillon stays out, clearly doesn't have a fast car, and they wreck in turn one, and it was nowhere close to an opportunity where Austin Dillon was going to score high points. It was just a bad call. So I, it's, it's, a rough, it's a rough situation. I know why some of these teams try these strategies, but at the same time, the, the biggest thing that always happens is some drivers who shouldn't be back there gets wrecked. And we get into this situation where you have someone like a Kyle Busch who was running really well at the beginning of the race get taken out. That wasn't even his fault at all. So hopefully small teams start to focus on this a little bit more. I would hate to see something like this happen in the playoffs. Luckily, it was during the regular season. So I guess that's a little bit of a plus, but still a bad situation for sure. Another takeaway that we have to talk about. I've kept it away from you guys from long enough. Kevin Harvick winning his first race of the 2022 season during a time where we didn't know if Kevin Harvick was going to be back in victory lane. I even said it in the episode before that Kevin Harvick was not going to win this race. Sure, he could get a top five, but he was not going to win it. And I felt very confident in that. But the Fords were able to find something, and especially Stuart Haas racing there near the end where they had the number four car as the most dominant car. Very impressive for sure. And hopefully this is a sign where we can have Stuart Haas Racing starting to make a second comeback and be at the same spot that they were once before. I mean, this team, it's it's crazy just to see how much they've been struggling. This is one of the top teams of the 2010s all of a sudden just struggling to get victories. They only got two victories, and that's twice as many as they got last year, which is crazy to think about. But this is the situation they're in. The good news is... They're starting to step up at a time when they needed to the most. So hopefully we can see people like Kevin Harvick, like Chase Briscoe, who did have a good running car. Unfortunately, strategies did not work out for him in the end. And where they can run near the front and they can get good finishes and maybe potentially try to make their way into the round of eight. I don't think they're championship caliber by any means. I mean, they still got a long way to go, but at least they got two of their cars now locked in into the playoffs. Something that we honestly thought was not going to happen. 
So great job for Roddy Childers to do the right calls. Great job for Kevin Harvick to wheel that car and just not giving up on his team. Because honestly, I did not see a time in the future where we'd see the four car back in victory lane. I was really in that position and it was crazy to think that. But thank goodness they were able to wind up in victory lane. One driver who got really close to ending up in victory lane, which would have been huge for his career at this point, would have been the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. Great run for him and great job for 2311, just continually making steps in the right direction. They've been very quiet about it, but you can tell that they have been improving. Now, granted, we saw Kurt Busch wind up in victory lane. I do believe it was at Kansas. I'm getting some of my tracks mixed up. Yeah, it was Kansas. And that was huge for the team for sure. But Bubba Wallace has been in spots where he's had strong cars, but his pit crews kind of let him down. And also, in a way, he's let himself down because he explodes in the middle of a race when at times that's when he needs to focus the most. This time he was able to almost secure that victory. Unfortunately, it was a pit strategy that threw him off just a little bit and also a long battle for the third and second position that he really didn't need at that moment. But unfortunately, that's just where he was at the time. Just a bad restart and was not able to capitalize. They're still making steps in the right direction. They could potentially be a strong runner at Richmond. I could see that happening. Of course, they're going to be a strong runner at Daytona. There's a reason why Bubba Wallace is one of the better restrictor plate drivers out there according to his average finishes. He's always running up front. He has really good runs right now, and this is exactly what 23-11 and 11 needed. As it may not be a win, it's definitely a big step in the right direction. And for people who had him in fantasy, they got to be really happy for that, as he was a driver to take a gamble on, and he was able to get you 35 points in this race. The driver who scored the most fantasy points was Denny Hamlin, scoring 53. Just great run for him. It just shows that the Toyotas have been really strong at certain racetracks, and I bet Denny Hamlin is going to be strong once again next weekend when they go to Richmond. Joey Logano really did impress a lot of people. I did not expect him to have a good running car there near the end, but he was able to score 36 points, even more than Bubba Wallace, which is actually a real big shock to me. So Joey Logano, able to make steps in the right direction, as well as the Fords as a whole. A couple more drivers I'm going to mention here real quickly before we move on to drivers who kind of let us down in this race. Eric Jones, the number 43 machine. He had a good run in California. I felt like he was going to run good here in Michigan. He did do so, scored 42 points, the third most points out of drivers here when it came to fantasy so great job by that team able to also lead five laps you also had a really good run by Martin Trex Jr. who's kind of been a little bit of the weaker driver out of Joe Gibbs Racing which is crazy to think about but he was able to score 38 points unfortunately for him he's on the outside looking in now now that we have Kevin Harvick getting the victory so he is definitely going to be one driver to watch for here in these next three races all three racetracks he has been successful at in the past Watkins Glen he's been really good uh, so close to victory multiple times here in the last couple years. Daytona, he's all of a sudden been really good at restrictor plates out of nowhere. Hasn't got that victory yet, but things are looking really good for him there. Could potentially score some points on Ryan Blaney if it does come down to points somehow, some way. And then also Richmond, you can never count out Toyotas. So even though it was a good finish, he's still on the outside looking in, trying to make some improvements. And then last one we're going to cover on who really did impress us here in this race is going to have to be the number 48 of Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman was able to score 31 points, a race that I did not expect anything to come out of that 48 car, but still getting 30 plus points. If you did take a gamble on him, you're pretty happy with that as he was probably going to be your fifth or fourth driver. And 30 points is always good for drivers right around there in your fantasy roster. Drivers that did let us down that were absolutely shocking was first off, 
Kyle Busch, I don't know how much you can blame that. We talked about that earlier, but he unfortunately scores one point. Tyler Reddick with his engine issues, he was running up front too. That's a big bummer. I, I don't know what happened to him as far as regarding his engine, but unfortunately it decided to expire right around stage number two. Then you had the number nine of Chase Elliott. This was the biggest shocker, I think, out of all of them. He was not a contender at all during this race. I don't remember a time where he was running up in the top five looking really good. That not once did I see that in this race. He was actually running around between 11th to 17th. It's almost like him and Alex Bowman, in a way, switched out equipment, which is not a bag on Alex Bowman. I, I shouldn't be making those kind of comparisons, but that's what I felt about Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott's always usually a front runner. Alex Bowman is usually a driver who runs around there and then will surprise everyone by finishing near the front. But Chase Elliott wasn't able to do that surprise. In fact, he just wasn't a contender at all. One of the weaker Henrik cars there in that camp, which kind of is worrisome because this track is usually an indicator to show who's going to be front runners. I don't think because he finished bad here at Michigan, he's no longer going to be um, a competitor towards the championship. But still, it was a track that I really expected a lot out of that number nine machine. Also, Trackhouse Racing, what a bummer for them. They had some really good cars. They both led 29 and 33 laps respectively. And unfortunately for them, they got into some incidents that they weren't prepared for, which of course I don't think anyone is prepared for when it comes to tire issues or smacking the wall or running into penalties. They all ran into that, and unfortunately they finished 24th and 25th. So good cars by Trackhouse Racing, bad delivery, something we haven't seen out of the Trackhouse Racing camp yet this year. And Christopher Bell, poor Christopher Bell. Uh, he probably still scored you enough points that you wanted as far as a driver to take a gamble on. But just for the fact that he was running that good in that race and then unfortunately had that tire issue, really big blow to that team. But still, once again, good job by the Toyotas and Fords for really just showing up at a track that I thought the Chevys were going to dominate. The top finishing Chevy was Kyle Larson in seventh. So... I think the biggest takeaway is maybe don't count out the Fords quite yet. A lot of people were going into this week, and they really did impress us. Michigan is still the track that they conquer. Toyota's looking really good at intermediate tracks once again. I'm pretty sure next weekend they're going to look strong as well. And at this point, you got to get a victory to make it in now. It feels like you are not sitting comfortable at all. You got Ryan Blaney. I think he's sitting second or third in the point standings right now, and he is in the 16th position. That, that is absolutely insane to think about. And then you got Martin Trex Jr., who's around fourth in points. That is outside the playoffs. So you got to get a victory here in these next three races. I don't care if you're Ryan Blaney or Martin Trex Jr. or anyone behind. You're going to have to get a win to get in and even feel confident. And at that point, the driver who's going to be in the biggest trouble is going to be the number 45 of Kurt Busch. So these next three races are absolutely huge indications for the playoffs. As right now, it means more than ever to wind up in victory lane here in the 2022 season. that will conclude the final results for today's episode guys thank you so much for listening as far as our fantasy league uh, goes nascar field fillers league we had nine people score 200 plus points here this weekend excellent job by everyone just having a very impressive run here this weekend as far as fantasy teams went i finished seventh with 210 points and i'm not bragging about my uh, points even though maybe 200 uh, uh, plus is always pretty good right but we had six other people score more than that in fact, the winner of this weekend was Beer Guy 72 great name by the way, scoring 241 fantasy points this weekend. Amazing job by you with an impressive showing right there. 240 plus is always a spectacular 
spectacular performance by any fantasy team, no matter what. Finishing second, we have NASCAR Time IG with 237 points. I think that's one of the first times I've seen that particular team here in the top three, so very good performance. I've been seeing you around the top 10, but finally things went together for here for you here at Michigan. Great job. And the most dominant person right now, Turn Sheen, 231 points here. He rounds out the top three here, which makes the overall points slightly closer, but we got a new leader, and that is Turn Sheen with 4,388 points, finally passing Thundergun 3, uh, who has 4,385 points, and then yours truly sits here in third with 4,346. Again, if you want to join our league, you can do so at fantasygames.nascar.com. I plan to do something here for the final 10 races of the season, so for people who may have left the league a little bit early because they thought, oh, we're out of it, or people who are a little bit timid on joining because they know they're too far behind. That's okay. We're going to have a second competition here. I'm going to add up the points to see who is going to be able to win the playoff league. And also, we're going to have the 124 diecast of my car here in the podcast cover as the award for the person who wins the overall running. And right now, we still got five people competing. If Beer Guy 72 keeps having those same exact runs, he will eventually catch up to us. I do not deny that. There's still about 13 to 14 races left here in the season. If you do also want to follow me on social media, you can do so at TikTok at VanillaWafers44, where I post daily NASCAR videos, or YouTube at VanillaWafers, where I'm slowly but surely going to start producing longer videos there. So make sure to check out those two social media pages. Or if you want to follow me on Twitter, at TylerV33 and discuss NASCAR, you can do so there. As Twitter may not be the strongest area as far as social media goes for me right now, it's still a fun little platform as you see a lot of announcements there in the NASCAR racing world. So again, TikTok Vanilla Wafers 44, YouTube at Vanilla Wafers, and then Twitter at TylerV33. Next episode will be this Friday for the Federated Auto Parts 400 at Richmond Raceway. We'll be talking about our top fantasy picks there as well as the biggest news to come out of this week. Who knows what's going to be announced here this week. We could potentially see the 2023 schedule as we're right around that time when they made the announcement last year. So keep your fingers crossed. We might be seeing that schedule come out here this week. So keep an eye on that. But again, next episode will be coming out here this Friday. The most important thing, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast. <laughs>